Well, good morning, and once again, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We are broadcasting live from downtown St. Louis at the America Center Convention Center at the conclusion of a wonderful week of Seek 23 presented by the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. I'm Adam Wright with you this morning. I I, I just have to say what a joyful week it has been. I I was here uh, pretty late last night just hanging out with uh, anybody that was coming by our booth, visiting with old friends, new friends that we made this week, and it's just been absolutely incredible. And, And that's just the beginning of it because really the, you know, the most powerful thing is what God has been doing in these sessions, what he has been doing through the liturgies, through adoration. Um, And then you put the fellowship component of it together, like we were talking about with Steve and Aaron yesterday. It's just an amazing week. Let's begin our morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Today we devote our prayers to the reparation of sins of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place my trust in you. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, I believe in your love for me. And we dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this morning, I uh, I have to tell you this. I'm going to warn you right up front. I'm going to do the weather, but you're in luck. Mike Roberts actually wrote me a weather forecast this morning, uh, which is always in everybody's best interest. So uh, overnight, the low in the northeast finally sent us enough dry air for skies to clear, so we should see sun today ahead of our next system, which will be weak and pass to our south Saturday into Sunday, producing only minor precipitation. Today will be mostly sunny with a high of 48, a low of 38. Tonight, increasing clouds, drizzle, and showers possible with an overnight low of 38. Saturday, widely scattered showers and a high of 48. And Sunday, showers possible early afternoon sun and a high of 42. And we want to thank Mike for sending in the weather. I'm happy to be joined here at our booth at the SEEK conference by Evan Gagnon from Hofstra University. And Evan, you brought your sister Catherine with you. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Adam. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Thank you for having us. It's great to have you both here. I hope you've had an incredible week. I mean, it's my first time at a SEEK conference, and this has been absolutely Amazing. But Evan, your journey with Focus is not necessarily a recent one. I mean, it's not like mine that started this week. You were a student at West Point Military Academy. And um, at the time, I think from what you've been telling me, it'd be fair to say you weren't necessarily living out your Catholic faith. Totally. Yeah. So when I was a cadet at West Point, I was actually raised Catholic before becoming a part of the United States Military Academy as a cadet. Uh, But I lost my way when I was in college. Um, I started to choose things that were easier. I started to choose things that um, were maybe a little bit more worldly and were maybe a little bit more kind of uh, trend chasing. And so this Catholic identity that I grew up with, uh, my parents went through great pains to to teach me and to, to walk with me. I started to put that to the side and try to take on this new person. Uh, that was not living on their faith. Okay, so then, I mean, obviously you didn't stay that person 
who wasn't living out of faith, or, or you probably wouldn't be here in St. Louis right now. So what what happened that changed all of that? Totally. Well, the infliction point for me was actually an unfortunate circumstance. I basically, uh, <laughs> my junior year had gotten up into an, enough trouble that the uh, the commandant at West Point actually sat me down and we had a meeting. And in that meeting, he uh, described to me that unless I started to change some of my behaviors and actions, that I was going to be, um, unfortunately, uh, removed from the academy and not able to pursue my dream, which had always been of becoming an Army officer. Um, when that moment happened, I realized that all of the small choices that I made on a daily basis the things that I said, the people I spent time with, and the person that I wanted to become, I needed to change those and I need to take ownership of who I am and I need to take ownership of the faith that I always resonated with, but that I was maybe a little bit ashamed or a little bit um, just incapable of living out at the time. And it was a focused missionary on campus um, who used to lift with us cadets. He would have Bible study after our lunch formation, um, and he spent so much time with us that we really started to get to know him better and to trust him. And it was through some of the accompaniment that I had with this focused missionary that I was able to root out the sin that was in my life, that I was able to develop daily habits of prayer, and that I was able to communicate this joy to those around me. Well, you know, it's great to hear you say that because so often we think of conversion as these, you know, huge experiences, these life-changing moments, the skies parting, almost like the, 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 you know, our own little version of the transfiguration that finally we saw the glory of the Lord and forever we were changed, right? But conversion is also in those daily, everyday decisions and uh you know how fortunate you were that you had a commanding officer who said evan your your little everyday decisions uh they're, they're leading you down the wrong track and you need to turn your life around and make those right little everyday decisions because that's where the saint making happens is in those everyday decisions so obviously um the the focused missionary helped plant a good seed because you're here so how is your life different now because of that experience with that focus missionary inviting you into your faith and just to connect with those small groups bible studies mass etc you know this is actually a great question i love how you threw in how the focus missionary invited me right our faith is an open invitation from the lord the Lord reveals himself to scripture in a pedagogical way that he is pursuing an open and active relationship with us, right? And it's on us to respond to that invitation. So how my life has changed specifically through focus and through specifically saying yes to accompaniment with this focused missionary is it feels like almost like a 180 degree change. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to meet my wife at a Sikh conference in 2018 in Chicago. And so that's a big concrete way. But another way is the ability uh, to share this conference um, with my family and my sister, Catherine, who is here with us today. Focus has really transformed my life. I really enjoy being a focused missionary and having built-in prayer, built-in time, uh, encountering students on a college campus, 
because that is where I was when I felt the deeper call to a conversion in my own faith as well. Uh, so first you were missioned to, and now you're sent on mission, and you found your vocation at a focus conference. So the, I'm, I'm going to just say the Lord's been very generous with you since your conversion. Now, Catherine, you look like you're, you're a smart young woman who said, I'm going to learn from my brother's mistakes, and I'm just not going to make those mistakes. I'm going to go off to college and live a, a good life at college. So you're at Harvard University? Yes, that's what, right. What year are you there? I'm a sophomore, so All my right. second year. So how did how did focus come into your sphere? Was it just your brother, or what, what was your first experience? Well, I coming into college, I was aware of focus. You know, through my the role model of my older siblings, I was very fortunate in that they kind of set the groundwork for me in college, so that I knew when I I knew going into college, I wanted to prioritize my faith because I had seen like how it had transformed Evan's life and how it had just brought greater peace and joy into our family. Um, and so going onto canva- uh, campus, I was really like hungry for that. And I was able to encounter the focus missionaries there. Um, they just started, they started like inviting me, you know, like Evan was talking about, they invite you to Bible study. They just like take you out for coffee um, and talk to you about your faith, which was something like radical. Um, I didn't ex- experience in everyday life, somebody like reaching out and talking about their faith and like their God on a personal level. Um, and just like their joy and their their charisma and their openness was really what um, brought me deeper into my faith. And um, after my first semester, one of the focus missionaries invited me to discipleship, invited me to like walk with her. Um, and so that's kind of how my journey with focus got started. And, you know, it brought me here today. So I'm very yeah. grateful for that. All week long, we've been coming to that word invitation. We keep coming back to that. Someone invited me. Someone asked me to come. And, you know, I I remember there was a time in my life when I was working in parish ministry and I was the flyer creator. You know, it's like, we're having this event. We need a flyer. Adam, I I got it. I'll make the flyer. I'll put the bulletin announcement out there. And, you know, I I just want to ask Catherine, all of these things like this Bible study and and all of these things you've been invited to by Focus, if it would have just been a flyer on a wall somewhere would that have had the same impact as someone saying, Catherine, why don't you join us for this? No, definitely not. And I think that's like one of the most remarkable things about Focus is that um, it's like they're very person-centered. Like when they were getting to know me, it, it wasn't, they weren't getting to know me because I was Catholic or because they're like, oh, she could potentially like become part of our organization. It was like they just wanted to know my heart and know who I was and encounter me there you know just like jesus in the gospel he met people where they were he didn't meet them expecting he didn't fall in love like with the version of them he wanted them to be he fell in love with who they were and i think that's at the center of a lot of focused ministry encountering people where they are and then led them to where they were called to be you know but not saying until you get to where you're called to be i'm not going to love you yet it's it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come meet you where you're at, and then I'm going to bring you someplace great. Now, Evan, I see that your name badge here says Hofstra University, which is not West Point. Yep. Um, and you told us you are a focused missionary. So is Hofstra the campus you're assigned to these days? Yeah, so as a digital missionary, I actually kind of have two campuses this year. One of them is Hofstra University in Long Island, New York. And it's been a blessing living in Texas for the past three years in the military. It's been a blessing to go back to New York, uh, just to encounter some of the culture there. Uh, the students at Hofstra have had a great time here. The other campus that I'm that I'm with this year is uh, University of Monterey in Mexico. And so I've been helping out um, in a digital way as well with them doing weekly Bible study, weekly mentorship. Um, 
my team, the digital team, we actually uh, we actually serve hundreds of, of students in the United States who don't have focused missionaries on their campus, but know of us or want to go deeper in their faith or want to join a Bible study. And so that being part of the digital team, we provide weekly resources and weekly accompanying accompaniment for students and across the United States and also in what I do and some students abroad. Yeah, that's a lot of ground to cover, Mexico and then New York, you know, and then good thing it's digital because you'd be logging a lot of miles back and forth, either that or your arms will get tired from flapping your wings all that time. Um, so now, one of the great things that I've loved about being here this week is in radio, it's kind of the same thing. We reach out to people all over the country to have them on the show, and I've been running into people that I have spoken with on the phone, I don't know how many times, never met them in person, and we, we've had that moment of, oh my goodness, I, 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 it's like I know you, even though we've never met, and then we realize, well, we do know each other. We've spoken a number of times. Have any of your digital uh, campus students been here at the SEEK conference this week that you've, you've gotten to meet them in person? Let me tell you a quick story about one of the digital students that came to this conference. His name is Andre uh, DeManuel. He is from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he actually bussed down with a big group from Michigan uh, with us. There's no focus missionaries on his campus, and so Andre actually joined Bible studies with me last year in my first year with Focus, and he's continued this year. It's been so great finally meeting him here at this conference, right? Uh, because I, over a screen, you're able to encounter people, you're able to walk with them, but when you see each other in person, when you when you eat a lunch together, when you work out at zero five in the gym. Because uh, the guys from Annapolis don't get there till zero six, you know, me yeah. and uh, me and Andre are beating them to the punch there. But it's kind of those experiences that we don't have digitally that are so great to to have in person. And in digital, we always say we can cover a lot of ground virtually, but we basically hold that ground incarnationally, right? And we need that, you know, um, in person time together is just so crucial. Wow. Now, when you're saying hit the gym 05, is that 0500 hours? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So as an uh, as an Army officer, PT is, is definitely still something that I do now, um, uh -huh. even though I'm a veteran. And so uh, <laughs> the Navy guys were staying at our hotel for SEEK, and a lot of them want to go Marines or want to go, you know, submarines in the Navy. But uh, at the Fairfield Inn, it was the civilians that were really running the gym and doing the PT in the early hours of the Man, morning. Man, I thought so. I was getting up early. I'm getting up, and you're already in the gym, you know, so wow. Well, Evan, Catherine, I want to thank you so much for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven. It's, a, you know, just another great, amazing story of how God's working through focus uh, that we've been able to share with our listeners this morning, and we wish you all of the best, especially as you continue your studies at Harvard. And, Evan, with your uh, digital teams and, and your digital campuses, um, praise God for, for the good work that you are doing. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, and when we come back, we're going to hear a local vocation story that has uh, actually some connections to me that I didn't even know that were there uh, until last night, because again, it's a great big family reunion here at Focus. But in the meantime, we're going to get you the saint of the day and uh, a quick song here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Today is the feast day of St. Andre Bessette. 
Born near Montreal in 1845, his baptismal name was Alfred, and he was the eighth of 12 children, though four of his siblings died in infancy. His father, Isaac, was a carpenter and lumberjack, and his mother, Clotilda, taught the children from home. When he was four, his father was killed by a falling tree, and then at the age of 12, Alfred's mother died of tuberculosis, leaving him and his siblings orphans. A local family took him in and he found work as a farmhand. From there, he worked as a shoemaker, blacksmith, and even went to work in the United States during the Civil War. Finally, a local pastor noticed Alfred's great devotion to the Lord and recommended him to the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal with a letter saying, I am sending you a saint. Initially rejected because of his poor health, he was accepted in 1872 after the bishop intervened and he took the name Alfred. He was given the job of doorkeeper at Notre Dame College in Montreal, where he was also a sacristan, messenger, and housekeeper. He prayed constantly and had a special devotion to St. Joseph. He also spent time with the sick, praying with them and blessing them with oil. In time, Andre became known for his gift of healing, but he would say, I do not cure, St. Joseph cures. Still, requests came pouring in by mail, in time over 80,000, and with the help of four secretaries, Andre was able to respond to all of them. He also helped his congregation buy land for an oratory to be built on nearby Mount Royal. When the owners would not sell the land, Andre and others climbed the hill and planted medals of St. Joseph in the ground, and suddenly they changed their minds. When construction stalled, Andre placed a statue of St. Joseph in the middle of where the chapel would be, and ultimately the construction resumed. It took 50 years, but the oratory was finally finished 30 years after his death. Andre died on this day in 1937 and is buried in the oratory. St. Andre Bessette, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O Blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection I will give Thee the glory Thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright coming to you live from the America Center in downtown St. Louis as we are wrapping up a week at Seek 23, a wonderful young adult in college convention uh, put on by the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. You're going to start hearing some cheering in the background, perhaps. They're having a 5K race this morning, and the uh, first runners are starting to make their way in, and what a, what a joy it is this morning. Our next guest is from a small country parish out in a, a little town called Cottleville, or, or as some say, from the uh, diocese of Cottleville on the other side of the Missouri River. Uh, and, and she came up to me the other day and said, I know you. We used to do Christ Power retreats together at uh, the seminary back in the day when I was with this parish. And, and I don't remember what parish you were with, but I remember you were with that really tall youth minister, Greg. And I said, 
I have no idea who you are. And, and, and she said, but I remember you. And I said, I hope that's a good thing. But Sister Madeline Marie Van Dillen is a sister servant of the eternal word. Uh, sister, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. So uh, l- let's talk first about the order, because being an EWTN affiliate, we often hear about the missionary Franciscans of the eternal word. And uh, so my thought was, well, hold on a minute, because Mother Angelica's order was the poor Claire's of perpetual adoration. So are you related? Are you not related? And you, you gave me the lowdown on this yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not related because they're cloistered nuns, and we are um, we're an active contemplative community. We would say, but we're active, and our apostolate is um, it's evangelization through catechesis and retreat, and we have the patrons of Francis and Dominic, which really which really ties in our original kind of our our founders was a Nashville Dominican, Mother Mary Gabriel Long. And she did do some work with EWTN kind of as it was going 24-7. And so our sisters, our first sisters helped, like, run their bookstore. I think they might have helped answer letters that came in from viewers. And so so we were a separate community, and it kind of, it through that charism of the Holy Spirit, it really grew. And so... So we've we built a retreat house. So we're just down the road from UWTN, and actually the Franciscan missionaries are essentially our chaplains. Yeah. And so so we're very close, and we have a lot of of EWTN priests who come and give retreats too. So. All right. Now, um, our what rule do you follow? We follow the rule of Saint Francis. <laughs> okay. So you're Franciscan too, and it's it's like a great big happy family here. Yeah. Someone said, "Can you go find the Franciscans?" I said, "You have to be a little bit more specific than that." But we we're actually because we we do follow and our founders was Dominican. We're very Dominican, so it's 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 kind of a new thing. So it's not like totally Franciscan. It's definitely a hybrid. A hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that is wonderful. So um, you grew up in St. Joe Cottleville. You got mm-hmm. involved in youth ministry. In fact, uh, my my buddy Tony who listens to the show regularly, just texted me and told me to tell you, hi, that you were on core at one of his parishes. <laughs> Tony Phillips? That'd be the one. <laughs> hi, and, Tony uh, so <laughs> what happened from going to high school youth group at Incarnate and then getting involved mm-hmm. as a core volunteer with these youth groups? At some point, uh, you left St. Louis and, and joined the sisters. Yes. Yeah, so I actually, um, like, my, my vocation was really fostered at, at both St. Joe and at Incarnate Word. And so I I met the sisters through one of my friends in college who said, you'd really love these sisters. And so I went, because I had never heard of them. They didn't even really have a website at that point. But um, as soon as I went, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, and I knew it. It was like God was really clear, I guess. But um, I loved our apostolate because I actually... Um, before I entered, I worked with the Missionaries of Charity in North St. Louis for about eight years with the kids. And so I did a lot of like teaching with the, the children that came for Sunday school, summer camp, after school program. I even, I, I kind of walked with a, a teenage girl who wanted to come into the church. And so it was a really, like, catechesis is something that's always been very dear to me. And I also, I, like you said, I was on core team at at St. Alban Row and Ascension. And so it was a really, um, like, like everything fit together. And so I joined in 2006. Wow. <laughs> so now with, with the uh, work of the order 
primarily being retreats and, and catechesis mm-hmm. uh, through retreats. How would you say you spend a typical day, or, or what's a, what's a day in the life of a sister servant of the Eternal Word? It's it's definitely it's packed. So we usually start at about five thirty, and we have we have a holy hour first thing, and then we we go from there to have our office. So we pray morning prayer to, and office readings. We eat and then we work, and so it kind of it depends on the day what we do. Like I do a lot of work in our office, so I do like email communication things like that, and I um I also teach little kids, so I use this program called Come Follow Me, and so that's that's a great joy for me. <laughs> wow! Now um, one of the things we were talking about yesterday when when we connected was that. Um, not only are you a St. Louis connection for the Sister Servants of the Eternal Word, but talking about this retreat ministry, it, it may be in Birmingham, but it's basically St. Louis South when it comes to <laughs> retreat directors. I mean, you're telling me Monsignor Witt comes down, Father Skillman, uh, Father Gerber, Monsignor Morris. I, I started losing track of all of yeah. the St. Louis priests coming down for these retreats. My, my fingerprints are on the retreat schedule. Wow. I don't, I don't plan it, but I do... I do send, um, I say, you know, you'd really like this one, Sister Claire Marie. <laughs> now, if, if our listeners were taking a road trip and they're heading down to the Gulf Coast, perhaps, and they wanted to make a retreat mm-hmm. on the way, is it only large group retreats or what, what kind of groups do you have? So we, because we consider this a part of our charism, we, we kind of, we don't rent out necessarily, but what we do is we... We invite people in because the retreats that we have, they really include our life of prayer and time with the sisters, too. So so they're they're not necessarily group retreats. Groups can come, definitely, but but couples can come. Individuals can come. Wow. So. Wonderful. Well, for more information for any of our listeners who say, I'd like to know more about the sister servants, or maybe perhaps they have a vocation and they want to check it out and come and see, where can our listeners go? Our website, sisterservants.org. Sisterservants.org. That's a pretty easy one. It is. <laughs> I like that. Well, Sister Madeline Marie, I am so glad you came up and said hello yesterday. Um, it, it has been a joy to connect. I guess I, I should say reconnect <laughs> with you and to hear about the work of your order and to hear about a vocation from right here in our hometown yeah. going out and making a difference in the world. Thank you for being with us Thank this morning. Thank you for having me. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We have more in store, and, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about a program of fasting and penance and asceticism that begins in just a few short days. I would like to remind us that not only is today first Friday of the month, but it is also the Feast of the Epiphany, so it's a very joyful way in many Many different ways today, but if you don't have that plan yet for your first Friday celebration, this is you know this is especially a day to get to Mass because it's also Epiphany. It's the twelfth night, the twelfth day of Christmas. So that first Friday devotion again, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion in a state of grace. So you cannot be in a state of mortal sin, which means you might need to go to confession first. And then pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back in just a few minutes. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the True God, obtain for us from your Most Holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life 
of burning charity and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this Friday morning, January 6th. Happy Epiphany to you. Merry Christmas, because we can still say that. Our next guest is uh, somewhat of a local guest coming to us from actually near the site of our original Covenant Network station, W. RYT 1080 AM, Deacon Michael Hallbrook over in Glen, uh, do you live Granite, in Glen, City. Granite City. Granite City, yeah, that's right. Um, but Deacon, you're not here because you live nearby. You're here because you are the chief operating officer for a wonderful program called Exodus 90, which begins on Monday. Three days from now. Wow. I, I hope everyone's ready. But tell us a little bit about Exodus 90. Well, actually, I'm going to say tell us a lot about Exodus 90. Okay. I'll go ahead and dive in. You, you tell me when you got a question. So Exodus is a 90-day spiritual exercise for men. Uh, started seven years ago. Uh, actually was born out of a seminary. The pillars of Exodus are prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. Uh, prayer constitutes daily reflections on the book of Exodus at a daily holy hour over the course of the 90 days leading up to Easter. Uh, fraternity is a group of men that, that take this journey together. Asceticism is a whole stack of, like I say, zero to 90 of the ascetical life, uh, offering sacrifices, fasting that we, go, that we do for the world, for our loved ones. Uh, and the, out, the outcomes of Exodus are ultimately just a, you know, an openness, a freedom to a deeper relationship with God, deeper relationship with those around us, um, and a, you know, a stronger life of faith. Now, everyone I've ever met that does Exodus or has thought about doing Exodus always comes back to one thing, the cold showers. Yes. You know, that that's part of the thing. And everyone I've, heard, I've talked to that's been hesitant about Exodus, they say, I don't know if I could do the cold showers. But, you know, the first time I heard about it, when I looked at the actual program, I started to think, you know, the cold showers might not even be the uh, most challenging aspect of this. And then the guys I know that have gone through the program are like, yeah, that was not the most right. challenging aspect. Right. So what does a day in the life of someone doing Exodus look like? Uh, it starts with cold shower. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. And Number then, one. Um, and then uh, fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay. Uh, no meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. So that's the whole 90 days, not just Lent. Um, no snacks between meals, no sweet treats, no alcohol. Um I'm blanking now. Yeah. That's crazy. So that's the food side. Uh, no electronics. No. Um, so Like throughout the entire 90 exactly. days. So phone use really goes down to almost nothing. No music except that which lifts your, your heart to God. Uh, no gaming. No sporting events. No alcohol. Uh, there's a lot of no's. But actually what the day in the life really is is like a freedom to experience prayer. Right? Yeah. That openness. You know, I, I worked with uh, a wonderful teacher before I came to the radio station who said, every time we say yes to something, mm -hmm. it means we're saying no to something else. And we have to figure out which is the better, you right. know, because we don't want to be saying yes to something unimportant that makes us miss out on something important. Now, some people might be wondering, hold on there, Deacon. I have to use a computer for my job at work, and you're telling me no tech. That's fair for work. All That's right. fair for work. But yep. then to get on Facebook or Instagram or whatever during your lunch break or uh – whatnot. That's, that's off limits. Most of us, I mean, unless it's for work, most of us remove those apps from our phones. We spend that 90 days just really purifying. Okay. Now, it seems to me that if I were doing this and I were on my own, I would hopefully make it about 90 minutes. You know, I'll do the Exodus 90 minutes. Um, how, how do men succeed at this? Because, I mean, this is a, a lot of uh, simple things, but for that period of time, Mm -hmm. Especially, I would imagine the first thirty days can be incredibly. Even the first five. Yeah, the first five. Yeah, most men actually fail within the first week, and that's why I always put the the fraternity pillar second, um, because doing it with a group of brothers is what makes it work. And in in that first five minutes, 
uh, or the, that first five days, if you fail, like talking with your brothers, with your anchor, with your fraternity is the most important part. This will be my fourth exodus. The first time I did it was by myself. Um, and if I'm being honest, I probably was at about 70%, right? Because I didn't have those brothers to lean into. So we always say, like, if you're going to do this, make sure you've, you invite at least one brother to be there with you. Uh, but we encourage fraternity throughout. All right. Now, uh, burning question on everyone's minds. Is it too late? to sign up if this starts on Monday? No. Actually, 50 to 60% of the men that do Exodus typically sign up within the day of start. It's, it's a man thing, I think. Yeah. So. Now, I, I saw that yesterday Matt Frad was giving a talk to the men here at, at Seek, and uh, you know, without anyone saying, hey, you should talk about Exodus, Exodus 90, he gave a pretty whole uh, wholesale endorsement of Exodus. What was the response then back at your booth, at, at the RV back there? I mean, were you flooded with guys saying, all right, I'm ready, sign, sign me up? Yeah, we, that was two days ago, and for the last two days, we've had men flowing over there that are like, I'm, I'm told that I'm supposed to do this. Um, so great conversations, you know, with men yeah. that are that are stepping up. Now, of course, the church is united. Whether we're together at a conference or spread across the world, we are always united in prayer. And so we have many listeners who are not able to do Exodus 90, mm-hmm. uh, but they can participate in, a, in prayerful support of those who are. So what are some of the, the intentions we can pray for for those who aren't doing Exodus 90? Uh, how can we pray for the, the men who are? Uh, I would just say offer that in your prayer each day. Um, we would appreciate that. Know that the men that are doing Exodus are praying for you. One of the things with all the asceticisms, especially the cold shower, and, and those of us that work at Exodus take cold showers every day, um, I'm always offering those for the church, for, for people that I know that need that assistance. So I'm offering that for you. You know, I, I'd appreciate that offered back for yeah. me as well. And, I, you know, friends, I want to tell you, whether we can do the full Exodus 90 or not, perhaps during this 90-day period, we could give up just one thing and offer that in prayer for those who are doing Exodus 90. Uh, the power of fasting and the power of prayer, we, we can't say enough on this show that when you combine those, um, it's like a one-two punch when you're in that spiritual battle with the devil. It's difficult, but you hang in there. It, it bears good fruit. Um, and so let's pray for the men making Exodus 90. And if you're a man listening and you want to make Exodus 90, you've got time to go and sign up. Um, it, I, I want to ask you one last question. At the end of 90 days, yes. What's what's the overarching emotion or feeling or or just what's the fruit? It's it's a it's freedom. B it's joy. Um, and our for example, our fraternity had a had an Easter Monday party at our house last week or last year, and just all of our families, friends. It was such a moment of joy. Um, and and I, what I love the most is most of the men in the fraternity left that ninety knowing that they were free of something, and I've been free of something different each time I've done it. Uh, but most especially desiring a daily holy hour, yeah. right? So so desiring to enter more deeply into a life of prayer coming out of the ninety. Now you're married, you have a wife and children. I've I've been privileged to meet some of your mm-hmm. children. What would your wife say is the fruit for the family? Uh, just the the intentionality of time and attention. Um, and I saw this coming out of probably my second exodus the most, just like being like putting the phone down and being present. I mean, that's still a battle that we all face, honestly, right? Which is why that 90 days matters to me each year. Uh, but I, I can tell each time I go through it, I, I gain more of that intentionality. Yeah, with and family. You know, one of the things we, we've neglected to mention, we've got just a minute uh, to go here. Um, 90 days is a very specific number for a reason because it takes 30 days to break a habit. Right. Um, and then 60 to 90 days to really solidify that. 
Um, and so that's why it is that 90-day period. Exactly. But exactly. Wonderful. Well, Deacon Michael Halbrook, uh, I, I'm so grateful for you taking the time to be with us today. Exodus 90, uh, just it's right there with our mission for what we encourage in daily living. And I'm excited for the number of men that have signed up this week. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. We are going to take a very quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We'll get you the daily dose of encouragement in just a moment. When we come back, we're going to have a very special guest joining us also from Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to have Father John Paul Mary from the Missionary Franciscans of the Eternal Word. Uh, you may recognize them. They're the friars at EWTN who offer the Mass so faithfully each and every day on our airwaves. Uh, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. I'll be back with you after this daily dose of encouragement. This is definitely one of those weeks I'm sad to see come to a close because all week long we've been praying our way through this beautiful perpetual help devotion, uh, prayers to our mother of perpetual help. And Patty, as sad as I am to wrap things up, I still know we have something to look forward to today. Well, our final part of the Mother of Perpetual Help devotions goes like this. Mother of Perpetual Help. Bless our families with your tender motherly love. May the sacrament of marriage bring husbands and wives ever closer together, that they may always be faithful and love each other as Christ loves us. Help all mothers and fathers love and cherish the children God has entrusted to them. May they always be models of a truly Christian life. Help all children that they may love and respect their parents. Inspire all people to value Christian marriage and family life. Give us a sense of responsibility that we may do our part in making our homes havens of love and peace. Marry our model. Help every family grow daily in genuine love for God and neighbor so that justice and peace may flourish everywhere in the human family. End quote. Okay, that's a little long, I know. But the key word for me when I read this part is cherish. Help all mothers and fathers love and cherish the children God has entrusted to them. A great New Year's resolution would be to cherish your family members more. Cherish their unique gifts. Affirm their temperament as a gift from God, even if it is different than yours. Encourage their talents. Affirm their goodness and their beauty. Maybe your New Year's resolution could be to cherish your spouse more and cherish your parents. Finally, resolve to make your home a haven of love and peace. I love that. Help us to make our homes havens of love and peace. So what role can you play in this? What can you do to be more helpful, charitable, and kind in your own home? How can you make your home more peaceful? Maybe it's change the morning routine if that's a stressful time for you and your family. Maybe it's you need to work on the bedtime routine, make that more peaceful. Or the after school routine or carve out family prayer time to end the day. Maybe you just need to defer to your spouse and say, you know what, I defer to you on whatever it is you might be arguing about. What can you do to make your home a haven of love and peace and cherish the people around you in your life. Think about that today. Pray about that today. And let that perhaps be a resolution for you. That's a really great question for us because I know we talk about love all of the time, but how often do we use that word cherish? You've brought a really good challenge for us here today, Patty. And I would like to thank you for this week of wonderful reflections on the Perpetual Help Devotion.
We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this Friday morning, the Feast of the Epiphany, January 6th. I'm Adam Wright coming to you live from downtown St. Louis. One final morning here as we wrap up the Seek 23 conference. What a blessed week it's been. Uh, You know, we've mentioned several times that today is the Feast of the Epiphany, and it is First Friday. I would be uh, just so sad if I forgot to also mention that it's First Saturday tomorrow as well, and I I love it. You know, we we have a saying around the station, two hearts, one mission, the the Immaculate Heart of our Mother and the Sacred Heart of our Lord, uh, working so hard to bring souls to our Lord in Heaven. So do not forget, make a good confession tomorrow. Go to Mass, receive our Lord in Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, meditate for 15 minutes on those mysteries of the Rosary. The Blessed Mother asked us to do this in the apparitions at Fatima. And as I say all the time, you know, can you say no? Well, I, guess, I suppose you could. But think about when you were a kid and your mother said, would you please clean your room? Could you say no? Yeah. Would it go well for you? Not so much. So let's just do what the Blessed Mother asks. Our next guest comes to us all the way from Birmingham, Alabama, Father John Paul Mary from the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word. In addition to his work as a missionary, he also works as the employee chaplain Mm -hmm. at EWTN, uh, which we are uh, a proud EWTN affiliate here on the radio. Father, thank you for being with us this morning. It's good to be here the Feast of the Epiphany. And I, just reflecting upon that, you think about the sacred humanity of Jesus Christ, the importance of these two hearts. You mentioned the two hearts earlier being the kind of the, the central driving theme of Covenant Radio Network. If it wasn't for the, the consent, the heart of Mary, our God would not have flesh and blood and bone. She gave the sacred humanity to Jesus Christ, to be born for us, to cru- be crucified for us on the cross, and to rise from the dead. So if her, she is so important in the mission of salvation. Yeah. She shows us the Lord. I, I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I know Patty Schneier was the one who shared this with me, but I, I'm trying to remember the source that she was talking about, the visitation. You talk about Mary being so closely united with our Lord that the visitation was really, in, in essence, the first Eucharistic procession. Amen. And uh, what, what a beautiful thing that is. Now, the missionary Franc- or the Franciscan missionaries of the eternal word, so a Franciscan order following the Franciscan rule, um, but the primary work of the apost- or of the order is really preaching at its heart. Sure, catechesis, teaching. Uh, I always tell people, people ask us all the time, Franciscan missionaries of the eternal word, what makes you missionary? Well, I can walk down from my friary and the eternal word television network is in our backyard. So as a priest, we're preaching from that pulpit and we can reach sometimes more people, I would say, perhaps in that one person could reach in their entire lifetime, even a parish yeah. priest. You think about it through the power of the media, through television, radio, and internet, we can preach a homily 5, 10, 15, t- probably 20 minutes for us because we try and fill up one hour of airtime, that we can reach more people from that little time than perhaps any person would in their lifetime. And that makes us missionary because we reach areas of the world corners of the world through radio through television that missionaries yeah. haven't reached now one i love uh i love in the name of your order especially in latin verbum eternum eternal word yes. and that's actually something i've been reflecting on quite a bit this week the unchanging nature of god that you know christ is the logos he is the word um and it, we just sang that recently word of the father as uh, we were singing oh come all ye faithful uh, at our christmas masses 
in this day and age, in looking at the pressures that our, our youth, and, and let's be honest, all of us are facing from the secular culture, uh, just everything, up is down, black is white, left is right, et cetera, et cetera, that constancy of our Lord as an anchor for us is so vital and so necessary. What is it that you hope these young people this week are taking away from this time spent with our Lord in the sacraments and adoration in the confessional to, to be that anchor in their lives? They're being instructed, taught. Uh, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. From what I've talked to young people, um, I ask them often in my encounters with them, even in confession, I will ask them, so what is it that struck you the most? What talk spoke to your heart the most? And you, you see this look on their face like, wow, like, I don't know because there are so many. There's so many talks. There's so many uh, discussions that, we, that have taken place uh, on these grounds. And I think that what I think should be taken away the lesson the most is is how to pray sure they've been instructed they've received so much in in talks but i think there's been a prayerful atmosphere of seek with especially with adoration you go up to the adoration chapel and there's a lot of noise down here as you know we can make a lot of noise too in 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 radio and we can have a lot of things connected to us in the in the world of our apostolate but we need to unplug even us that are involved so much in the media, when you go up to that adoration chapel, silence. I love it. Yeah. To see young people before the, the Eucharist, the Eucharistic Lord kneeling and just just eager to sit at the feet of the Master. That's what all of us should should yearn for, to be instructed by Him. There's so much instruction, like I said, on the stage here by keynotes, by Sister Miriam James is one of my favorites. Father Mike Schmitz is a favorite of all the young people, I think. But primarily, every speaker wanted to point people to the teacher, yeah. capital T teacher, yeah. the eternal word. I, I love in, in the Gospels when they just talk about the apostles, uh, the disciples, spending time at the feet of our Lord. And, and not necessarily saying anything, not necessarily in conversation, many times in conversation, but just being in his presence. And I think that's something that we all should take away. Like if we're listening to this and we're all excited about, okay, all of these 17,000 young adults are going to the Adoration Chapel, but we aren't going to the Adoration Chapel, we're missing the point. Yes. Yeah, and um, and Father, one of the other themes that's been coming out this week as well is that it's from our Lord in the Eucharist, then that whatever our mission is, you know, there are so many campus missionaries here from, that, who are focused staff and focused team members that are going to go back to their campus and lead that mission and lead that focus group. But now the students who come, they're going to go back equipped to be missionaries or the adults that have been here on the Making Missionary Discipleship track to focus on evangelization in the parishes. They're going to be missionaries going out there. But that mission, first and foremost, comes from our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament. It does. He sends us out on mission. He calls us individually. Um, he calls us by name. He knows, he knows us before we were even created. Uh, just in, in thinking about the, just the mystery of the epiphany again, the epiphany means manifestation. So there's a difference between a theophany and a manifestation. A theophany is, there are many theophanies throughout the, the scriptures in the Old Testament. The, the theophany throughout the, the desert, um, the, um, the theophany of uh, 
Moses in the burning bush, the theophany. The epiphany is the manifestation of our Lord in the flesh, in the flesh. Like our Mar Mary basically handing us and Joseph handing us the eternal word made flesh. He became man. He became a little child, so little. And there's nothing more approachable than a little child. Yeah. You know, you, you, you see uh, there's a lot of focused missionaries, uh, for, even former focused missionaries that are carrying around little children now families and the family is the basic building block of society we were talking last night about vocations and you mentioned to us like you know is it is it appropriate for me to think of myself as a vocation director and both sister madeline and i were like yes adam yeah absolutely like you're the primary vocation director in the world a father and a mother as a vocation director like guiding their children to help them to hear the voice of Christ in their life. And I can say my mother was the first one who invited me or asked me, do you think you have a vocation to the priesthood? And at first I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause that wasn't a topic of discussion right. growing up. Like the star that guided the wise men, we are the stars for our children guiding them to our Lord. And again, I loved, someone said this yesterday, that we can't make them and, and it's not our job to necessarily make them follow our Lord. It's to show them our Lord, to show them the richness of the faith, to show them the beauty of our faith so that our Lord can work and they would choose to follow him. Father, sadly, we are quickly running it's out okay. of time on our broadcast here. But on this Feast of the Epiphany, could I ask you to lead us in a prayer and offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. We pray for you out there listening um, in your cars at home that the star of Bethlehem that guided the, the wise men to Jesus Christ, God made flesh, God made visible, we pray that this star, this light may lead you wherever you may be, wherever you are in your life, in your walk, in your journey to find and pursue truth. And even if you are away, if you've been away from the Lord for how long? Doesn't matter how long. A month, a year, 10 years, 50 years. If you've been away, come back. Come back to Mass. And come back, most of all, to the Eucharist, to confession. Come back and to receive the Lord's mercy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face to you and be merciful to you. May he show you his kindness and give you his peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Father John, Paul, Mary, thank you so much. I look forward, you know, I, I'd say I look forward to the next time we see you, but sure. I also look forward to the next time we're going to hear you on our airwaves uh, preaching at the Holy Mass. It's been a joy to be with you. Friends, that concludes our broadcasts here from the America Center as part of Seek 23. They made a wonderful announcement last night that Seek is returning to St. Louis in January of 2024, January 2nd through 6th. It's been an honor and a privilege to be down here. I want to thank everyone who has made this possible, especially Leslie Rowe from Focus, uh, the Media Relations Coordinator, Patty Schneier for generously giving her time to be my co-host throughout the week, and all of our staff and volunteers at Covenant Network who have been with us here at the booth, the many guests, and the college students and young adults who have been so inspiring. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. 
Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'll be back with you sometime next week. Until then, pray your rosary today and each and every day.